HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kara Warren. And today on the show, we're here to commemorate and celebrate Anne Saxelby, the founder of Cutting the Curd and owner of Saxelby Cheese. Her passing away was a shock to the cheese community. And in the weeks since her death, many people have mentioned her many great qualities, especially uh, that of being very kind and generous, to, to name a few. Um, I would like to capture her spirit by talking with some of our past and current hosts of Cutting the Curd. Uh, today on the program, we have Aaron Foster and Carlos Yescas. Um, and then we'll also be sharing uh, notes and memos from Alana, Alina Santigade, Diane Stemple, and uh, Sophie Slinger, Selinger, excuse me, and um, Greg Blaze as well, and Jessica Kesselman. Um, thanks, guys, for participating with me on this tribute. Um, welcome to the show. Nice to be back. Thank you, Kara. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, my hope is that through this episode, we'll provide a, a catharsis to the cheesemongers and cheesemakers out there. Uh, I hope for you guys as well. Um, I know this has been an incredible shock to everyone. I think everyone's still really dealing with this in their own way. Um, I guess to kick things off, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with the basics. Um, Carlos, how did you first meet Anne? Oof, uh, I just started crying, so sorry about uh, this. I was just sorry. not expecting this emotion, but anyway, here we are. Um, uh, I met um, I met Anne at the store in um, at the Essex Market. I had moved from Europe to um, the United States, and I was you know a frequent of uh, many of the cheese stores in New York City. And I went to the store, and I met her there. Um, Kind of just uh, kind of introduce myself that you know I was someone that was very interested in cheese at that time. I was still not fully working in the industry, but I um, but I introduced myself, and she was uh, even in, from that moment, from that first moment on, she was just so wonderful, so caring, so so open and excited to hear about what we were doing uh, in Mexico. I, you know, I then got to know her really well, but uh, it was really at the store she being a cheesemonger and me being a customer of cheese. <laughs> oh, okay. Very cool. Um, I didn't realize that. Um, and Aaron, I, I'd like to flip over to you because you have a cheese shop, Foster Sundry. Um, did Anne influence you in any ways with your cheese shop? <laughs> I, I would say in, in many ways, so not maybe not so specific. So she certainly influenced me in the sense that, um, I had a high bar to meet in terms of New York cheese stores. 
Um, and you know, one which, uh, I, I, I just don't think anybody could live up to, but, um, certainly, you know, I, I first met Anne probably just before she opened the, the, the store, um, and at her store and uh, back in uh, 2005, 2006, somewhere in there, um, as part of like a, a crew of cheese kids that would hang out and um, we all worked for or, or were like associated with competitors at the time and uh, I worked for Artisanal and um, I think she had just finished up at Murray's and um, we all just kind of got together outside of outside of work. It maybe a little bit reminded me of that um, Wiley Coyote cartoon where he like punches the clock with uh, the sheepdog and then they uh, they have lunch together and then they go back and do their jobs. Um <laughs> and yeah, we just we would all go out and 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 talk shop and taste and just you know talk about the new cheeses we discovered. But it was just clear early on that she was super fucking genuine um, and and just extremely like one a, a person who somehow managed to be genuine and and unironic, but also not saccharine and boring, which I feel like is just a a difficult combination to, to manage, but she did with a plum. Um, in terms of the store, I think she just, uh, she just set a, set a, just an incredible <laughs> example. And, and, and at the time it was really difficult to find American cheeses, um, except for the big ones. And, uh, they would come through distributors and, and she just kind of went out and hunted them down. Um, and, and, and in a way that was, relationship based and and not um sort of just their utility to 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 her and her shop um so yeah i tried i try to be when i think about being uh, about balancing running a business with having you know values and being a good person and 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 making sure that you sort of hold up your end of the social contract i think of Anne and and that influenced me greatly Yeah, I mean, I think you did a great job of explaining also, I was going to ask you about what the cheese scene was like when Anne was first coming up, because like you mentioned, we were all, I don't want to say kids exactly, but like it was another era of it. And we were children, we were kids, we were so young. (laughs) We were once kids. Um, And so, uh, yeah, I mean, just like the fact that we were discovering cheeses all around the Northeast, at least, and then I think Anne brought in some um, Midwest cheese as well. I mean, or she was just really all over. She was so good at networking directly with the farms and then showcasing them, um, in a way, like when some of us started at Murray's cheese in that, in that time period, they were doing that, but it wasn't to the extent that she took it. And I think, um, well, I, I just think we, I really applaud her always for that. Um, Carlos, I was curious, um, why do you think, Anne's message about the local artisanal cheese scene was so poignant. Um, do, do you think, you know, she was able to connect with so many people across the community. Um, how do you think she was able to do that? Right. And I think that, you know, to sort of build on Aaron was that, you know, we were, we were kids, you know, we, you know, we are in 2005, 2006, when we were talking about, we were all in New York uh, and the teasing was just so different. Like I remember, you know, for example, there there was three colors of app and seller that sold 
uh, at the cheese counters, and people were very excited about those three open sellers. But there wasn't that many American cheeses uh, that were kind of known by everyone or that people would recognize them just by name. And it was really at that moment that something really started changing. Um, and I think I have thought about it a lot in the past you know, couple of weeks since, since her passing, that you know, she took this, what had been for so long a devalued product, you know, American cheese, it has all of the bad connotations of, you know, singles and, you know, the melty stuff that you don't want to eat. And, and she took this sort of devalued idea and, and, and tried to figure out how to make it different. And I think her genuine care for the American producer, for the American um for the American terroir really end up creating a situation in which that genuine care end up touching not only producers, but other cheesemongers and many, many other stores. And, you know, as we have seen for the, for the past week and a half, you know, all the tributes from restaurants and other people are, are kind of like, we're touched by that sort of care for, for, for products from the United States. And, you know, I think about it when, uh, you know, when I first started going to, to the Essex market, you know, there was another cheese store in, in the Essex market, um, you know, that was for Majos from, from Boston that had opened one in, um, in, in New York and you, you, for Majos in Boston is known for, you know, not only having the staples of European cheeses, but also bringing very unique sort of interesting um, cheeses from Europe. And then I think Anne's response to that sort of uniqueness from Formaggios and all the staples was like, let's try to do this same thing, but for the American uh, 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 products. And so I think that ended up creating um, sort of an impetus of, for her of connecting with, with so many people. And that's why I think she ended up connecting to, to so many people and ended up actually changing the scene uh, forever, uh, along with you know other people as well. But I think uh, Anne is was instrumental in that change. Absolutely. No, absolutely. That's uh, it's the truth. Yeah. I think what's interesting is that it's it was so unusual. Like, it's like it, it puts into context just how much work she did when we're like, yeah, there were all these, there were these cheese shops, but, but she actually went out and found American cheese. It just puts into context how far American cheese has come in the cultural consciousness as well as just what's being made out there with the, both the quality and quantity in the last um, 15 or so years. And, and that's, and like just how obviously uh, and was such a huge part of, of that. I mean, I think there was also in the market at the time, I believe Daphne had opened had opened her her stand as well, um, and it was like right across from Anne, and it was just like you could go there between Formaggio and Daphne and um, and Anne, and just have this incredible experience in a market that um, I think a lot of New Yorkers that would have been shopping at Murray's probably had never been to, or been shopping at the East Village Cheese, or or buying from Artisanal online or Zingerman's, like probably had never into that market so and, and i think it was just also so important that she chose not just the the area of american cheese to work in but the place she chose to do the work that she did yeah i she was so good at, at connecting and and also introducing people um i found out elena kind of was introduced 
to the cheese world through Anne. I had no idea. Um, actually, we have a voice memo from Alina, so I'd like to, to play that here. Uh, listeners, this is Alanta, Alina Santagade's note about Anne. My name is Alina Santagade, and I was a host of Cutting the Curd from 2018 to 2020. Um, how did I first meet Anne? I actually have no idea how I first met her. And I think the reason that I don't, that I can't point to the first meeting is because she was so much in the ether of cheese for me. I, I knew of her so much, so long before I ever met her. Um, and I visited her shop very shyly and in awe and bought cheese from her. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know when I first met Anne. I do remember when I first had a cheese tasting with Anne as a buyer, and it was one of the most fun and exciting moments of my career as a buyer. Um, I remember that she brought tons of cheeses. It was like we tasted 15 cheeses and she ended up unfurling uh, like a roll of butcher paper, like it was a scroll. And she placed all the cheeses down on the butcher paper and she wrote the names of the cheeses on the butcher paper all in like one minute. And it was so approachable and badass and cool and surprising. Um, and I'll never forget that. It was a lot of fun. So how did Anne influence me? Well, I consider Anne one of my cheese career benefactors. She really, in many ways, gave me my start in cheese. And um, the specific way that she did that, or I should say the first way that she did that, because she sort of did it twice, um, was that she actually had me on a guest, as a guest on the show when she and Sophie um, were producing and hosting the show. And I was not working in cheese at all yet, but I was making cheese and meeting up with this little group of urban cheesemakers. And we were all, there was a handful of us making cheese in the city and connecting over it. And kind of like word got out that we were doing this. And um, Anne asked me to be on the show. And I couldn't believe it. I mean, I felt like this is insane that I would be on Anne Saxelby's podcast. Uh, but it was the first time that I really started thinking that maybe I could enter this amazing world of cheese. And she really opened that door for me. Then, you know, she influenced me later also, again, very directly when I got to become one of the hosts of the show. And that was sort of my, one of my culminating cheese experiences um, and one of the most fun things I ever did in cheese. More generally, she influenced me by being herself, I think, which is so, something so many of us can relate to. She just was Anne. She, she, she was herself through and through, and it was so clear and so pure who she was. Like, she was always exactly who she was. And so what does that even mean? Um, and she was so generous. She was so generous and so genuine. 
And I felt like she always saw me and she always took time to be interested in me. And that felt so generous, especially when I felt so small compared with how huge Anne's influence and reach and impact uh, is. But she never thought of it that way, I don't think. I mean, her approach was very sort of, um, we're all in this together. You know, no one was beneath her time or attention. And you really got that feeling from her and it made you feel so special, especially coming from her. After she died, I shared with some friends that I kept thinking about how Anne would kiss me on the cheek when she said hi or bye sometimes. And I was always so struck with that because it was so sweet. It was, it was so sort of sweet and supportive and loving and so sort of otherworldly. And it always, I, I felt like it, it calmed me down. It like slowed me down. I was like, it helped me be present. Um, it was such a lovely gesture. Um, and just, I still feel like so warm and, and cared for when I think of just the thoughtfulness of that little gesture. <clears throat> I've been thinking of all kinds of little memories of Anne. And the funny thing is that I'm not, I haven't been thinking of big specific memories. Instead, I just kind of have these flashes of seeing Anne at a party or at an event or seeing her walking to, you know, a session at ACS or one of the women in cheese gatherings. Um, and there were so many moments like that. I think because she was so tall that I always could, and she was so iconic, you know, she just had an iconic Ann Saxelby look. So she was so easy to spot in the crowd. And it was like, it was like your, you know, my, I would, I would smile and my heart would jump just thinking like, oh, great. Like Anne's here. And I, there were so many moments like that. Um, and what a nice thing for people to think when you, when you entered a room or when someone noticed you somewhere. Um, I think that really, to me, in a way that speaks to like how Anne was and what, what she meant to me that it was always good news when I spotted her in a crowd. Thank you, Alina, for those um, kind words about Anne um, and uh, the stories that you just told. Um, thank you. Um, I'd also like to talk about um, maybe one of the fondest memories. I don't know if we could talk on air on this. Maybe one of you guys can tell me no, stop being crazy. But uh, did any of you, did Carlos or Aaron, did you guys ever go out to have drinks with Anne? I think I feel like she always was a good about getting everyone out to to go for a drink at like the Clover Club or something like that. Do you have any fond memories of her um, when you guys went out after a, a cheesemonger counter session or something? I certainly had many, many drinks with Anne. I was uh, and, and I mean, we just yeah, like I said, sort of earlier, we would go out after our shifts and meet up in the West Village or. Um, I mean, I can't tell you how many times we all ended up at just at Jimmy's, um, <laughs> number 43 in, right. the, in the village. And, um, I, 
I was going back and reading some of my old um, chats and emails with Anne, and like I feel like the oldest one that I could find easily was just chatting with Anne on GChat and um, her um, her being like, "So are we at Jimmy's again?" And I'm like, "I, I can't tonight. We've spent too much money at Jimmy's this week. We need to go somewhere else." Um, <laughs> but so, so many times. Oh, um, do we, you know, we ended up, uh, just, I actually think, I think that this sort of secretly moved the, the, the cheese scene forward so much in New York. The fact that all of us, like all of the people that were doing the work, we weren't the Rob Caulfields and we weren't the, um, oh, I don't know, uh, Terrence Brennan's or Max McCalman or whomever yeah, we weren't we weren't the name brands, but we we were younger, and we were the ones running the things behind the show, and the fact that we and I include you know Liz Thorpe I think in there, um, Tyler Hawes, um, you know Zoe, um, Natalie Jordy was around, um, Sasha Davies, um, gosh, I'm sure I'm forgetting so many people, but like all all of us would get together, and uh, Alex Garcia and. Um, just hang out together and, and, and kind of talk shop. And then we would go in, you know, get going quite hungover. I imagine the next day. And, uh, um, I would, I remember just getting shit from my bosses being like, I just saw Anne's email blast and she gets, she's got this cheese. Why aren't we out getting that cheese? And it's like, well, and, Anne, and, uh, and she, <laughs> she wears her, her brand and her, her honesty on her sleeve. And, uh, if people didn't think we might, <laughs> screw them over somehow or not pay a bill or uh maybe maybe it would be a different story but and and is uh she's a person of her word but yeah we drank a lot i guess is the short answer <laughs> well and that makes sense because it's cheesemongers college i feel like is what was what we went to i was at kettle of fish a lot in the day so um not jimmy's yeah. but that just means i was in the wrong year <laughs> that's the only difference um um, I also wanted to ask if you guys ever uh, co-hosted an episode with her and what was that like? Because I actually never had the chance to um, co-host an episode with her, which I, I'm sad because I, I always wanted – I was always hoping to um, to do that one day. You know, I, um, I didn't co-host with her, but I had two shows with her early on. One uh, when, um, you know, I was sort of – interviewed by her and, and Sylvia and sort of introduced for the work that I was doing in Mexico. And then um, in that episode, we talked so much about Mexican cheese. And then she came back and said, why don't we have some of these American, uh, these Mexican cheese makers talk to us? And I was kind of blown away. And I was like, of course we can do that. Right. And, and so that was their sort of her, uh, her way of always sort of opening up the spaces. Um, uh, you know, I was, I was looking at it. it it's almost, um, it's almost 10 years now that, that that show came out. And so we did that show with two Mexican cheesemakers and I, you know, I came in, I came to the show to, to sort of help out uh, with the, with the questions and the translation and all of the things. Um, it, you know, they, of course, the Mexican cheesemakers didn't need my help because, you know, they're very adequate <laughs> themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but what was really fun was, uh, you know, being there at, uh, in the studio and, and being with, with her was um, how, how genuinely 
she actually care and the attention she paid. And so it was a, I, I think about it now a lot when I'm recording my own shows of like, am I doing as good a job as what I have seen other of the hosts uh, doing this show? Uh, and I, and I actually think this a lot and, you know, not just because of um, passing, but I actually think about it when, when I'm listening to, to, um, or when, you know, when I go on and listen to what other people have done, um, it, it is, it is big uh, shoes to fill. Here, here. That is, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> Speak for all the former hosts, where you're, you're, you're doing just fine, Carlos. Uh, you're more than holding up the, uh, your end of it. Thank you. Yeah, and 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 with that, I'd actually, I want to mention. So I, I didn't know Sophie so well, and Elena uh, had to school me on this. Sophie is one of the early producers and co-host with Anne on the program, I guess for many years, I have to, I have to tune back now and, and go through some of the older episodes, but um, I got in touch with Sophie um, and I'd like to now read um, a note from her because she is actually out on her honeymoon. So um, I hope you're enjoying, congratulations on getting married and um, your honeymoon. Uh, but I'm, I'm now going to try to read Sophie's note the best I can. So, okay, here we go. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Ian was my former mentor and boss for perhaps one of the most important jobs I will ever hold in my career. My work at Saxelby Cheesemongers has followed me to every job I've had since. And nearly 10 years and a different industry later, much of the way I approach work is thanks to Ian. Together, we hosted over 100 episodes on the Heritage Radio Network, sold thousands of pounds of farmstead cheese to some of the finest restaurants in the world, biked through flooded Brooklyn post-Hurricane Sandy to save the cheese, taught curious eaters at outdoor markets, bars, and festivals, and ate a bunch of unforgettable meals. Here are some of the work lessons I learned from Ann Saxelby. One, strive to be an expert, but share knowledge freely with enthusiasm. Ann was a scholar of her discipline and always knew the most in the room, but only so that she could share with others and open the world of farmstead foods to anyone interested. Two, be shockingly nice to your customers. It will get you very far. Anne surprised both chef and civilian customers with her warmth and never waved in her demeanor. She grew a loyal base, especially among the most demanding chefs. Three, there is no such thing as a cheese emergency. Anne used to tell me this, which she repurposed from one of her college art professors. And it's true. Very little in cheese, or in many lines of work, is actually an emergency. My deepest condolences to Anne's family. Thank you, Anne, for all that you did. You were a force. Thank you, Sophie, for um, that note. I I really had to take a deep breath before I read it. Um, um, you guys knew Sophie. I think she nailed it on that. Um, Carlos. Um, I would say, Karen, that um, yeah. the you know the 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 quote that there is no cheese emergency is one that we use often at lactography in mexico and i say it quite often to my to to the people to the team in in mexico there is no cheese emergency um i you know i got it also from Anne, and i think is is something and it's not to say that we're not doing important work but that there has to be um kind of a balance. And I, that's one of the things that I kind of was always, I guess, surprised that Anne 
seem to do quite well, you know, to have this balance of, of a successful career, uh, uh, what seemed to be a happy family, a, a, a healthy marriage, and then uh, sort of an inner life, you know, not only with her own projects, but writing a book and all that. That kind of balance, I think, is is so unique, uh, and and hopefully so many of us are trying to achieve that balance as well. Um, and, and I know running a shop is way way hard, uh, and but I, but I think that the something is changing. Uh, there's not that expectation, I think, of the old guard that you know we need to work twenty four seven, and you know you have to like you know that there's everything and it's an emergency. I think that. I think that the new generation in in stores um, have taken this sort of life balance uh, to heart, and and I think we're better for it uh, as an industry. Yeah, I I I get. Yeah, that's and I think even with her books too, because I was um, I was in Green Grape Provisions the other day, and they had a huge display of her her last book, which was uh, New Rules of Cheese: A Freewheeling and Informative Guide. I think even through the title it kind of gives us a peek into Anne's um, sort of sensibilities. Um, do you think she was always trying to change the industry or break the rules per se? Um, I, 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 I feel like you're, you've kind of mentioned it before, but she, she just, I don't know. She had like this innate sense to things and just, I don't know. She was so ahead of the cheese game with the artisanal American. I mean, it was coming, but like the way she understood it, I'm, I, I, Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I would say that this is um, a bit in part, yes, her force and her personality and her sort of like interest in the world. Um, I would say also it, it has to do with uh, being a New Yorker. <laughs> and you know, now that I'm not a New Yorker, I, I kind of think about it you know, often of what, what it actually means to be kind of in what is imagined to be the center of the world and to be um and to have access to what it would seem everything and so if you have access to everything what is that other thing you you're looking for and i think that was all that's also part of why um saxony at the store could exist in new york as opposed to you know some other city in in, in the united states and i think that um she she and her team uh, and you know, understood that early on and they were able to uh, sort of show spotlight cheese makers um, and then other stores around the country started, uh, you know, paying attention to those ones. And so I think that was also incredibly generous of like, you know, doing the work and using the power of, you know, New York City for for good, which, you know, can be used for bad a, a lot, actually. Mm, yeah, that's a very good point, Carlos. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to bring up a fun fact about Anne. Um, when I was listening to one of her episodes where um, Elena asked her how she once produced the show, um, she used to compose her episodes while riding her bicycle around on the way to Bushwick. Um I, I can't do that. That's for sure. I, I How do you guys, um, maybe Aaron, how do you describe Anne's work ethic? And and maybe what did you most admire about it? Yeah, I, I think it, her work ethic and her energy level is just, I mean, as someone who, like I own a retail store and that requires a certain level of work ethic, but I ain't got nothing on Anne. Um, and I think very few of us do. You know, I think also back on your on your last point, like, 
she had a, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm fun. Maybe I'm just misunderstanding her or maybe I, I just can't imagine this quality, this, this combination and how she managed to balance it. But she had, no one touches as many people or becomes as successful as she did without having ambition. Um, and, and I think it would, it would be inappropriate to say that she wasn't deeply ambitious, but at the same time, she didn't seem hurried about it. And she, carried with that ambition an almost like paradoxical amount of um, humility. And, and I feel like those are such unusual, that's such an unusual combination to have a great deal of, of ambition and a great deal of humility in the same package. Um, and I think that just that maybe, maybe both of those things stem from just a, a nuclear fusion internal reservoir of of energy and and get up and go um that that i i certainly don't have and uh on my best day wish wish that i could tap a you know a fraction <laughs> of that resource but um I, you know she she just managed to you know you, you you mentioned this this idea or i'm sorry it was sophia i think that said um you know she was the smartest person in the room but mm-hmm. Unlike, say, myself, like she never <laughs> beat anybody over the head with it. And I, and whenever I was around her, it was just a great reminder to be like, oh yeah, you, you can be uh, someone that that touches people, someone with great enthusiasm and ambition, um, without climbing over other people or or pushing anyone else out of the way. There's that there's room for uh, there's room for all of us here and if you just do a great job at the thing that you're passionate about, um, within, with, with, with a dash of luck, good things will come to you. I thank you, Aaron. I I've heard, um, this is her family's way even, but I think, I think, um, Anne put her own spin on it too, which, which I agree was, um, one of her most important qualities. Um, I, I want to also read to you, um, Diane Stemple, Longtime book reviewer on Cutting the Curd. Um, she also sent us a note um, that I will quickly read. She said, Anne Saxelby was an amazing person. Gifted, talented, sweet, and a sweetheart. So double sweetness. She had it all. It's, a, it's such a loss for our community. I recall when she invited me to her show way back, I felt so honored. She was always so gracious and accepting. Whatever you did or said was fine with her. Besides being an amazing host, she did more for small American cheesemakers than anyone else ever has. This is her true legacy. She started her little store to promote the smallest cheese people, and it took off. This is what she accomplished for cheese. Love, Diane. Thank you, Diane, for sending in um, that really amazing note. For, for Anne. Um, I think if, if I wonder if Anne were still here today, what we would all want her to know. Um, I think it would probably be that like her family is well taken care of. Her shop is in um, good hands. She has the best cheesemongers. Um, I, I think I hope we can all continue to support her ideology every day 
because I'm sure most of us will think of her often. Um, <sighs> Thank you, Kara, for doing this, because I know how hard it is for you as well. And we're here trying to put the brave face uh, in front of this. And I agree with you. I think that um, the the what I think what we can say to 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 this idea is that we will continue hopefully to on on, on the work that she was doing, and that we are that I will personally try to to do that as well. I you know before before. Um, her passing, I had talked to her two weeks before. Uh, we had a Zoom call um, for an interview. Uh, she was going to write something on raw milk cheese. And uh, over the height of the pandemic, we were um, in two panels um, talking about American producers and and, uh, and things. And so I, I, you know, I had spent time with her preparing for those panels and then in the panels and then this talk. And one of the things that sort of she mentioned, she said during the last time that, that we talked was um, how, how happy she was that there was so many more people, uh, you know, sort of caring about, you know, artisanal cheese, raw milk cheese specifically, and that it didn't feel that it was so alone anymore. And I think that that's, um, I hope that, you know, people that are listening kind of hear that because it is really the people that are listening to this show that you know will continue the work uh and and i think it's i it's, i think it's important that you know this is not only on us the host of cutting the curve today but you know uh, we can we can achieve we, we can hope to achieve some of the things that she did you know for for caring for for those ideas uh, maybe revolutionary with a little bit of a with a um you know hunger for the world, like Aaron was saying, uh, I think we can all do that. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. I, I, I hope so too. Um, I, I, I want to thank you both for being on the show today with me. Um, I know we all put a lot of work into this. Um, and I, I hope we're, we're doing her legacy justice. Um, I would like to put out to the listeners out there, um, the network heritage radio network, um, is creating an audio tribute. So if you'd like to send in a memory or message, you can uh, email or send a voice memo to uh, tribute at heritageradionetwork.org or call 203-998-5636 to record a message. Um, also, if you would like to donate to the Ann Saxelby Legacy Fund, uh, please donate at slowfoodusa.org slash Saxelby. Um, also, if you would like to follow Ann's shop on Instagram, um, you can follow them at Saxelby Cheese. You can follow us at Cutting the Curd. And we'll, we'll always miss you. Um, thank you for listening with us today. We hope this brings you some peace and comfort during this time. I'd like to close the program out with a few more notes from our other Cutting the Curd hosts, um, which we'll, we'll play right after this from Greg Blaze and Jessica Kesselman. Until next time, thanks and eat more cheese. Hello, this is Gregory Blaze. Um, I'm a former host of Cutting the Curd. I came on right after, right after Anne uh, started in the earlier stages of the show, and Bushwick and Roberta's were a little bit more, a little bit more rock and roll then. <laughs> it was a little, 
a little different. It was one of the last vestiges of um, Bushwick and those areas that became less dangerous. And, uh, you know, Roberta's, Roberta's came in there. Patrick made the Heritage Radio. And, uh, you know, the story from there to uh, how Cutting the Curd got formed is a longer story. But uh, I was over at the Saxelby's uh, one night at the old house and uh, and was playing with uh, Josie on the bed and Patrick and I were in the kitchen eating a some giant slab of meat he had brought home from uh, from Heritage and uh, you know and I, I think he might have also you know I'm, I might have been you know smoking a giant joint at the time when they asked me if I wanted to take over the show and I was like shocked I was a shocked person that it filled me with like such a great sense of responsibility and uh, I immediately called my friend Emily Acosta and uh, she helped me produce anything and everything Sophie as well uh, she was rotating out of the city I believe and went to Washington I learned a lot from Jack Inslee and Aaron Fairbanks, great people. They were the, uh, Aaron was the station honcho at the time, and Jack was the the engineer. And uh, they taught me so much, and Emily helped me explore parts of the world of cheese that I didn't know existed, you know? Uh, took me all over the world, just like every project that I've been lucky enough to be involved with and Annie and I we were on the same team she's a fellow traveler fellow warrior peaceful warrior and uh, you know she knew she knew I would um, I'd follow her lead and I tried to as best I could we had fun in there never took ourselves too seriously did some great episodes on drunken cheese stories and just uh, delved into training cheesemongers and uh, traveling, doing interviews overseas. Just things I, I really, I dreamed about doing when I was in college, you know, trying to be, you know, figuring out my life. And I was wondering how I could be a cheesemonger and somehow still be a journalist at the same time. Um, I don't know if I did that, but the opportunity that Anne gave me and uh, just the just the the feeling of being in the studio and being able to check in with her on creative projects and just just having fun, you know, using cheese as a force for good through mass communications. And uh, we were a little ahead of some other podcasts. Uh, now everybody's got a podcast, <laughs> I guess. But I really enjoyed my time on Cutting the Curd. Uh, it was amazing. Annie was amazing. Amazing to turn that job over to me, and I hope I hope I did okay. And uh, working with Diane and Emily and all of the people that, that we interviewed, I just, that's a time in my life that I'll never forget. 
And uh, Annie is a close friend that I will always remain close to me in my heart. So, honey, I hope I hope I did a good job for you. And uh, I miss you. Signing off. This is Gregory Blaze for Cutting the Curd. Hi, this is Jessica, one of the current hosts of Cutting the Curd. Just wanted to share a little story about Anne. I met Anne on my first day working in cheese ever. It was at Murray's Cheese Shop. And I was intimidated. And I really didn't know very much about what I was doing. Anne was training me. It was her last day at Murray's. And I had a few hours with her. She was incredibly passionate. She was gracious and patient. And she set me up for success that day. And she pretty much told me, you know, the ropes about customer service and cutting cheese. And she gave me some great tips about how to approach the job without feeling overwhelmed. And what I remember the most about that day was her smile, her enthusiasm, and just the way people responded to her, her coworkers, customers. It's no surprise to me that she then went on to launch Saxelby Cheesemongers to connect with chefs all over the city, all over the country. Through the years, it was clear everyone in this industry somehow has a connection to Anne. I have found several paths I've taken since that first day are connected to Anne, including this podcast. It's always been great to run into her at conferences, at her shop, at gatherings. I'm going to miss that a lot. And what is really, really striking to me is just how unified and collected we are as a community around Anne. I just wanted to share a little bit about that first day. Cutting the Curd is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Conte Cheese Association. Conte Cheese Association represents the Conte PDO, Conte Protected Designation of Origin in the USA. Conte is a raw milk cooked pressed cheese from the Jura Mountains of France. There, every day, 2,500 family farms deliver milk to over 150 local cheesemaking facilities, or fruitiers. 
This milk must be transformed into Conté within 24 hours of milking to preserve the lactic microflora in the milk, ensuring the cheese's aromatic potential. About 105 gallons of milk are required to craft a single wheel of Conté. Conté takes time to acquire its flavors in the affinage cellars. After eight months of aging by dedicated affineurs on average, each wheel of Conté is graded and shipped to market. No wheel of Conté is the same. Its flavors speak to the pastures where the cows grazed, the season in which it was made, the particular craftsmanship of the cheesemaker, and the time spent in the aging cellar. Therefore, every wheel of Conté is unique. Learn more about Conté, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at Conté-USA.com. That's C-O-M-T-E hyphen U-S-A dot com.